0: Hello everyone, good morning and welcome to the sermon portion of our service together here online. Thank you for joining us. And before I begin, before we dive into these texts together, let us pray. God, would you meet us this morning, even over video and through our screens and across the city. Would the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, God, our rock and our redeemer. And if and when there are things that I preach that are not of you, would you help us simply forget them and grow more towards you, towards your love anyway? We pray these things in the name of God, our creator, redeemer, and spirit among us. Amen. So when I read Psalm 116 for the first time in preparation to preach this sermon, the first thing I thought of was Whitney Houston when she sings I Love the Lord in that movie, The Preacher's Wife. That song had to have been written about this psalm. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. He pitied every groan. And I remembered, too, that once Tim Beggs, our former music director, he handed me the sheet music for this Whitney Houston song and told me that I had to sound like Whitney when I sang it for that Sunday morning. And forgive me, as I am no Whitney Houston, and I certainly couldn't get this song up to par in a week. But practice I did, and while my voice was what it was, and certainly wasn't Whitney, the words stuck with me that week, and they still do. The words of this psalm, they stick with me they won't let me go. Psalm 116, it's one of those psalms of praise and thanksgiving in the the psalms, and these were used by the ancient Israelites to call people to worship. Each of these different types of psalms have different purposes, but these types of psalms, the thanksgiving and praise types of psalms, they tell a narrative of trouble, of talking to God about that trouble, and then asking God for help and then receiving help from God. These psalms were always written about an intense brush with suffering or with death, where the author of the psalm wasn't sure that they would even make it out alive. And then a composer of a psalm like this, they would write the song, they would maybe sing this song in the midst of others in the middle of worship, perhaps during a Thanksgiving offering in the temple. And then that person might sing there in the midst of the people, in the middle of the house of God, and call people to hope to remember their own songs of when God delivered them to, This kind of psalm, this psalm specifically, Psalm 116 too, it's a call to worship or an Ebenezer in psalm form, lifting up the story of how God has brought us through and how God is getting us through. But I had another feeling as I sat with this psalm this week too as I read it, as I sang Whitney Houston, and thought about it, as I felt the psalm in my body, to me the psalm felt a little bit tone deaf. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. He heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. And that, that felt trite to me as we grieve and protest the murder of George Floyd, who was pinned down on the ground by a policeman saying that he couldn't breathe, crying out for his mom as he slowly suffocated to death. His cry of mercy, it wasn't listened to. And the psalm goes on, because he turned his ear to me, and my stomach is in knots thinking about the ways that our country has not listened to the cries of black people, of people of color, since its very beginnings, about how if we know our history, we know that the United States started slave patrols that, in turn, turned into our modern police system in many ways. Our collective ears haven't been turned. And then, the cords of death entangled me, the anguish of the grave came over me, and then later, but when I was brought low, he saved me. And as I read these words, I wonder where that saving help of God is in the middle of COVID, after our economy has been brought low, and mostly after we have lost so many human beings to this disease that brings us low, low to the grave. Where is that saving in the middle of this? Do you, too, get a funny feeling in your stomach when you read this psalm? Does it feel true to you? Are the words home to you today, or do they feel just a bit trite to you in the middle of all that is happening? Do these words sit right with you? And if you said, no, they do not, not right now, like I did, you might not only feel like this psalm is tone deaf, but you might also feel a bit of of unsettledness over feeling that a psalm of all things is tone deaf. But if this is you, I don't think you and I are alone with our unsettledness at what seems like trite praise. We aren't the only ones who can't quite stomach it. I think the Genesis text that we read this morning as well might have someone who feels this too. And that person, that person is Sarah. Sarah is married to Abraham, who you've probably heard of, the man whose descendants would outnumber the stars. We have many stories of him, and not only us as Christians, but Jews and Muslims do as well. Abraham is a patriarch of our faiths. And in this story, we get to hear about his wife, about Sarah. And the backstory to our Genesis text today is this. Sarah is becoming older. She has passed her childbearing years. She is longing for a child, and she has been for her whole life. And in her time and culture, not bearing children was looked down upon. Some even saw childlessness as a sign of God's disfavor. And here Sarah was, childless. In our story, Sarah was minding her own business when some visitors come to her in her husband's tent and eat her food and then have the audacity to tell her things that she knew wasn't possible. These three visitors, maybe men, come to her tent and tell her, an elderly woman, about her body and what was about to happen to it. She may have had dreams, but she knew her time was past. And so she laughed. Maybe it was a bitter laugh. How dare they pretend to speak to her about her life? How dare they speak into the painful pieces of her heart and how dare they make her hope again when what they said wasn't possible, when nothing was going to happen. She knew it was easier to not hope at all than to feel hope and have those hopes dashed again. I bet she was tired of having a broken heart. And we are too. We had broken hearts too. We have broken hearts too. We've weathered storms of the deaths of dear friends and family. We are sitting in that place with such grief. We've had our sicknesses both mental and physical. We've been in grief a long time as a church community and as many individuals too. Things haven't gone as we would have hoped. And now we may also be afraid as we watch the death toll rise with the spread of coronavirus and we ache that racism is alive and well, and we cry aloud, too, with George Floyd, with Breonna Taylor, with Ahmaud Arbery, with Manuel Ellis, and so many others who for so many years have lost their lives to police brutality before cell phone videos showed us all that was happening. We are like Sarah, perhaps we know broken hearts. We might laugh a little bitterly as someone reads something like Psalm 116 aloud, for it doesn't always ring true with our experience, at least in this moment. We haven't seen that saving action of God yet, perhaps, or for a long while. We are stuck in the middle of the pain, and the promise of a way out seems like a false hope. When someone tells us to praise God, when someone tells us there is hope, when someone shares with us that good will come, we might laugh some, too. Maybe we feel like it is just plain mean to read a psalm about the saving grace of God when things seem hopeless and while the things we long for seem so very far off. And yet, you might be waiting here for the and yet for the part where there is some good news, and you might already know some of it. If we've read the story or heard it before, we know that God's promise does come true for Sarah, like so many other people in our texts. She does have a baby. God does do the impossible, and God does bring her through, as God brought the psalmist through. Things looked awful, and yet, God made a way. But I wonder still, what happens in the middle? Maybe you wonder this too. What happens in the middle when things still seem hopeless? When we can't help but bitterly laugh at promises that seem impossible to see and believe in? What happens in the middle of the pain when we are sad and grieving and angry and uncertain? What happens in the middle as we work for goodness to come where all thrive and see little to no progress made? In our Genesis text today, we still find Sarah in the middle of that hopelessness, in between promise and fulfillment. Is there any hope there in that place for her? Is there any hope there in that place for us? And there is one, one piece of Sarah's story that I think we can hang on to. There is a piece of hope for the middle of our journeys, too. In the middle, the in-between, where we are in pain and haven't seen the goodness come for us, too. When we are in-between, the promise and its fulfillment. There is an end yet. And here it is. In the in-between time, between promise and fulfillment, between violence and justice, between hopelessness and hope, We are in that painful space, and yet the Hebrew here has a turn of phrase, because of how the verb is written, that holds some hope for me when I read it. And the translation goes like this in the Genesis text. It isn't God came to them, or visitors came to them, and visitors spoke to them. It is God is appearing to them. The visitors Appeared, were appearing to them. God is saying to them, God is promising, God is with them, God is speaking, God is, God is. This isness, for lack of a better word, sunk into me. And as sometimes when I'm anxious, my shoulders come up like this, it helped my shoulders come down a little. In the middle of Sarah's pain and even bitterness, her sadness and grief and her hopelessness, God is coming and doing good things, even though she couldn't see it. How could she imagine the goodness after all she had weathered? How could she see it? How could she hold hope after it had been dashed so many times? And yet, even in the middle of that, even before she could begin imagining writing a Psalm 116, sort of praise and thanksgiving to share with the people of God, God is God is in her midst God is helping her God is arriving God is working God is speaking And things look hopeless for us now perhaps we too are in the middle of some of this We are sitting with those who are too We ache but God is. God is arriving here too. God is working. God is present. God is speaking. God is making things right. God is bringing life. God is healing. God is showing up in our spaces and places. God is. And perhaps If we can't hold on to it, maybe we need people to share their Psalm 116s with us. Perhaps we need someone to tell the story of life and death, that resurrection story in their own life, of how God got them through, how God is breaking through in their lives when we can't see God in our own. Sometimes we need others to hold the hope for us. Perhaps when we can't write our own Psalm 116s, when we are sitting in the bitter place with Sarah, we need those reminders that God is And if I may, I'd like to share a couple of mine. In the middle of the hopelessness of systematic racism that has been around since the very beginnings in our country, God is. In the middle of a pandemic, people around the world and in all 50 states are protesting for black people to be able to have encounters with police that don't end in death. White people and other non-black folks of color are humbly listening to black people who have been silenced for so long and we are educating ourselves to recognize the ways in which we were taught to hold certain ideas about race just because it was simply the air that we breathe. People are giving themselves grace after learning. They're coming up with beautiful and true apologies and then joining the uprising for justice. Justice is beginning to roll down as a mighty stream. God is. Even as the coronavirus sweeps through our cities, plunging us all into a pandemic, as we stay home and change everything about our lives, as we miss our friends, as businesses are suffering, as people are out of work and struggling, as we miss places that we were going to go and people that we were going to see, God still is. God has brought us together as a community and helped us support one another, get to know each other well in different ways. People are organizing to get one another food and making masks. They are staying home, working the front lines. There are notes of love everywhere, in windows and written in chalk. Scientists and doctors are doing their very best to learn and get a vaccine. It seems so hopeless and scary, and yet God is showing up and working, God is. And in the middle of stress and fear, sadness and change, I'm seeing things sprout and grow and bloom in my garden. The summer smell of hose water on good dirt reminds me that some things are still alive, that rich things are formed long before my naked eye can see them. I'm reminded that beautiful things do sprout and do stretch upward, do, do stretch upward. How underneath the good dirt in my garden, even in the dark, things are growing. God is. And so for those of us who find ourselves in a hopeless place, in a bitter place, a grief-filled place, let us hold on to these sorts of things. And for those of us who might be seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, who have some vision in this time, who see God's is-ness in our spaces and places, let's keep sharing our Psalm 116s this week, and while we have them so that others can hold on to that smidgen of hope even in the middle of things from our stories. May we write down and share our Psalm 116s. I would love to hear yours if you ever wish to share them with me. This week, let us point out the ways that God is. The ways we might see God showing up, arriving in our midst, making things right, bringing justice, bringing peace, showing care, bringing hope. And even though it is a pandemic, though racism is real and systems in our city hurt so many, as so many of us might be out of a job at this time wondering how we might pay the bills, even though we grieve and ache and sit in hopelessness, and these are things not to be overlooked. These are things to be felt and worked through, and these are places where we work for justice and for things to change. It's important to feel them and work them. But how might we remember how God has been with us before? So that even in the middle of all of this, in all of these feelings, how can we know that God is with us now? How can we remember that God is with us now? How can we remember these stories so that we too can make it through to the other side? How might we remember God's work in bringing us out of despair and into hope so that we too can have hope for tomorrow? Even if our memories are hazy and unsure, How might we lift them up? And how might we be on the lookout for God's is-ness here in our city, in our neighborhood, in our homes, in our gardens, in our conversations and in our meals? How might we catch a glimpse of God's is-ness with us even now as we watch and participate in the civil rights movement happening just outside our church doors? And when we find ourselves, too, in places of pain, of deep grief, when we have an inability to do anything but bitterly laugh at God's promises, perhaps, like Sarah did, may we be also given the grace to be held in God's arms, even in that place, to feel God's presence, and may we be given the hope, the grace, the new eyes to see that God still is. Amen.